Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys, so welcome to another episode of the Highly Acclaimed Show, Imperfectly Perfect Podcast. And today, what I like to do is obviously read through a bio, so I'm going to get straight into it before we get some uh, surefire questions. So this guest has just finished up three years as Erinsborough villain and series regular in Neighbours, Australia's longest-running drama, 35 years where he played the ever-troubled Finn Kelly, but first came to the nation's attention in 2003 as a finalist on the first series of Australian Idol. Starred in the off-Broadway smash hit Puffs at the Alex Theatre, his first non-musical stage performance to record-breaking success and rave reviews. Hit the stages of the highly acclaimed successful Broadway blockbuster Wicked and played over 500 shows in Melbourne and Sydney, receiving rave reviews and establishing himself as one of Australia's favourite leading men. His credits include playing title role of Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar, Sam in Ghost, Danny in a national tour of Greece, Legally Blonde, The Last Five Years and Into the Woods, Cinderella's Prince and Hair. Has featured in a myriad of shows pre-recorded in life from the mass singer behind the scenes, Celebrity Apprentice, The Project, Studio 10, Today, Sunrise, Dancing with the Stars, Spicks and Specs, Postcards, Carols, By Candlelight, What's Up Down Under, Have You Been paying attention and is a huge advocate towards mental health and openly uses his platform to spread awareness for several foundations. And we're so grateful for him getting on board the efforts of the imperfectly perfect. So welcome to the show, Mr. Rob Mills. Hey, mate. Thanks so much, Glenn, for having me. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a while. Yeah, lock, it's been a while. Lockdown life. Oh, mate, we've, what, a, what, a, what a time it's been. The last, I mean, I was, where was it? We we, last time we saw each other in the flesh a couple of years ago. Um, so much, so much has happened for you. Um, Imperfectly perfect has has grown uh, astronomically, which is fantastic. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you for keeping spreading the the you know that very important message of you know it's okay that you're not okay. So I, I think it's I think it's fantastic that you the work that you've done over the last um, you know how many years now you've been working on this, mate. I think it's fantastic. It's coming to three years, and I'll tell you something with that. Like everybody always sees highlight reels and attesting to you guys in the public eye. Everyone sees the highlights of all of you guys, and I'm so grateful for your support and and the press and all that kind. Behind the scenes, people don't tend to see that stuff. And I think attesting to what the whole campaign is, along my journey, I've been brought to my knees. I've I've felt what it's like for certain people. And then on the flip side of it, I didn't know who was real around me. I didn't know what people wanted from me. And I was like, what is going on? And along yeah. the way, I've actually learned there've been lessons, blessings in disguise that it's actually made me stronger in terms of knowing how to do what I want, knowing who's real, who's not. And I suppose attesting to you, all the accolades that you've done, and you came to Obviously, fruition through Australian Idol, but the first time that you mentioned and spoke openly about your mental health was from the actual show where, attesting to what I just said, it's kind of you were flung into the limelight. Yeah, and, and sort of not really having a good idea of who I was as a person back then at 21-year-old. Um, we're not really taught about sort of self-awareness or you, how to build up your self-worth. It's sort of like, ah, just you work it out in your 20s kind of thing. Um, and I sort of had to work it out in a really, really quickly uh, in front of the nation. Um, I don't want to say that, you know, I was only on television for like 10 weeks, but 
um, in that in that period um, of me not knowing who I am, everyone had a really good idea of who I was. So I think that's, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm that guy. And then I'll just be that guy for a bit. Not so good. Uh, and I'm sure that you've, you've probably gone through those same sort of, um, those same sort of things mo- most recently, mate. And as, a, as an Are You Okay Day ambassador, I must ask you, are you okay? Is everything all right? Are you okay, Glenn? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. But yeah, that's one of the things like, I'll, I'll turn it back on you there and say a lot of artists, whatever you've done, show their struggles through their work, I suppose. Mm. So with me, I used to say to friends to start that question, are you okay? I was like, okay, so you see these myriad of images of all these public figures, but is anyone seeing in I'm okay? Cause I'm sharing, I'm taking on their energy and not one person. Yeah, yeah. Are you okay? And I'll, I'll mention him because I know we are mutual friends to him, but the late Michael Falzen, he, incredible friendship we formed, and he used to reach out every other week and go, Glenn, are you okay, though? Like, and I'll yeah. thank him forever for that, leading him through this all this work. But that's the thing. When, when you're doing your work and you're on stage and you're doing everything, sometimes you pour your heart out into your lyrics, into everything you're doing. When you was on that reality show, how did you – comprehend when you've got lights cameras you, you you've got publicity you've got all these new people that are suddenly wanting to know you what is it like for somebody wanting to look at your life where you started maybe wanting to go down that route and not being experienced as you were i might to be honest if if i think back to when i was 21 being oblivious was actually a bit of a um uh, probably a good thing <laughs> to it all because not really not knowing what was happening. Just like, ah, so happy go lucky to go along with everything. Um, I think that was actually a bit of a blessing. Um, but as I, I teach a lot of workshops to kids um, in theater and singing and performance and stuff. And I always say, get a good idea of who you are. Get a, try and get a really good understanding of what you stand for. And that will, that will help you if you want to go down this path of, um, oh, I don't know. I, I always think celebrity is the byproduct of, uh, of doing the thing. Well, the fame is the byproduct of doing the thing that you, that you love doing. No one actually, I don't think actively seeks to be famous. That is, that is, that if that is your, that is your goal, you're going about it the wrong way. You're going to be found out that that's not a very authentic um, way of living your life. Yeah. Try and find the thing that it is that inspires you, that, that drives you, that you're passionate about do yeah. that. And if by chance you happen to get some sort of um, notoriety from it, um, I just, I don't really like the word fame at all, but if you, then, then you can deal with it. Cause you're like, well, that's, that's just who I am. I just do that. That's my thing. It's a thing that I do. Um, it's not really, it doesn't define me. I, I heard a, a footy player the other day, Bailey Smith. He's a, uh, he's a young guy from uh, the Western Bulldogs, young 20, 21. He's a bit of a gay icon at the moment. Um, he, my friend told me about this article he, he'd spoken about and he said, I, I don't define myself as a footballer. I'm just a guy who plays football. I really like that. I just think that's a really fascinating um, and a great um, mindset to have at such, such a young age for, for, you know, what could could be a, you know, you get swept up in the world of, of footy. But yeah, yeah pretty well, profound statement from someone so young, I think. So yeah, get to know yourself, get to know yourself more, um, find out what your values are, who you, who you are, what you, what you like, what you don't like. Um, that's really important. Because you so openly talk and, and as you say, as an ambassador for Are You Okay? And you talk about your depression and things like that. When you was at that high of fame for that particular show, mm. how did you deal with that? Because as a male, and like we like to break that stigma of men coming forward and really knowing it's okay to speak out, 
who did you reach out to? Was the times where you tried saying it indirectly to make people notice or was you trying to hold it all in? I was trying to hold it all in, mate. There's, there's, there's just something that we do. I don't know whether it's um, Australian thing, it's a male thing. I can only speak from an, a, a white Australian male perspective. That's just who I am. Mm. Um, that we don't want to be a burden um, on others. I think I've been researching lately. I've been doing a whole bunch of interviews, with blokes and stuff, um, researching a book at the moment and about about blokes, about Aussie men. And one of the things that come up is, oh, we don't want to be a burden. I don't want to put that on my mate. I don't, I don't want to tell him that stuff. It's not like um, we want to be vulnerable. Oh, there's another little tidbit. We're scared. Of, we may be scared of being vulnerable because uh, vulnerable, when you look it up in the dictionary, means being hurt. Mm-hmm. And we're scared of being hurt. It's not we're hurting others. We're, we're scared of being hurt ourselves. But my mate framed it in a really good way the other day. He said, instead of, instead of thinking about being vulnerable, think about just being open. Like I'm open enough to be able to talk about this stuff. I'm open enough to be like, if we got into some deep stuff, I could probably cry right now in front of you, Glenn, because I know that I trust you and there's, we're in a, you know, we're in a pretty good friendship level that you're, you're an open guy. I'm an open guy. I'm not, I'm not being vulnerable. I'm just being open. I think I really like framing it that way. It's a really, it's a really nice way. So going back to your question, um, I, I definitely would have held it in back then and riddled with like guilt and sick feeling. You feel nauseous and, um, and I just found if the, the more I talked about it um, with a mate, if, you know, if having these thoughts and feelings or about, um, about who I am, it's, it, often it's the things that you hate about yourself um, <laughs> that you don't want to talk about, yeah. really. Everyone's <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I feel that way about myself as well. I'm being quite narcissistic. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, like that's a lot of them is, is the guilt that comes to that. And then you realise, oh, everyone's like that. And then you don't have to be like that. And you just... You choose to, you know, to do something else or do uh, do better by other people. Do something for someone else um, is a really good way. Isn't but yeah, um, finding a good psych, finding a good counselor, um, someone, someone professional who can help. If 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 you know your mate can't give you the um, the right advice, quite often <laughs> at twenty twenty one, there aren't that many like uh, self aware, super like spiritual kind of um, awesome dudes. But you you'll find them in in uncles and older older men and older women. Um, find, find those people that you can um, talk to or yeah as I said seek professional help and that's something I've always been trying to um, get get blokes to do I mean you go see a physio for a sore hamstring you know why not, why not go see a psych for you know a sore brain string when we first met that was I think it was your hamstring your bust when you were hobbling about in Bondi in that cafe <laughs> you were yeah, it, was a, it, was a, it was a calf it was a calf I still got the sore calves mate still got them <laughs> But that way you just touched upon something there. And I think once you've gone through your adversity and the more you openly speak about it, you step into your truth. And you touched upon there a little bit about finding somebody spiritual. My journey, boom, it's just brought more spiritual people. And I think when you hit that stage of adversity, there's a part of you that does kind of attract that sort of attention from people who are more spiritual. And you look at things a lot differently and you don't make judgment on people. And I think then you just step into your full authentic self. I hate that word because some people's actions don't mean what the definition means. But I mean, once you know, you know someone that comes from a place of love, transparent, and then you can just, I don't know, it's like you've known each other for years. And there's just kind of brother, sister, and you just, yeah, you know what? I went through body dysmorphia. Yeah, well, I went through clinical depression. Oh, how are you doing now, mate? And it's just kind of this, wow, guys would never mention spirituality or depression or body dysmorphia like maybe 20, 30 years ago. But 
What? And now, yeah, now we, and now we are. And as you said, you, the connection that you get with that person, especially in Sydney, it's very hard to find those connections. But as soon as you're real, yeah, it gives permission. It gives permission for other people to be real as well. You've got to create that space for them. If 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 it's not there. Be, be the conduit, be that person that creates the space for others. So then they can be real like, oh my God, the next thing you know, everyone's having a real conversation. So I also, also should point out, um, having real conversation isn't necessarily just all about the sad things that have happened. It's not all about the um, the problems that we've had in our past and how sad and how hard our lives, is, our lives are. Because in the grand scheme of things, as a, as a white guy who grew up in Australia, life is very good. It's, it's like, we're, we're pretty, like there are other things to talk about. Um, I think guys sometimes are fearful of having this sort of a chat. Is that all we're going to talk about? Are we just going to talk about sad stuff? No, mate, we're still going to talk about he's other fun stuff that we do, but it's just a good way of, uh, as I said, creating that space where we can connect on something that's actually real instead of just, I sat in a men's circle uh, a few months ago this this older bloke, he said, because there is nothing, Rob, nothing, nothing more boring than small talk with blokes. <laughs> nothing, nothing. So true, so true. Have you, have, have you got to the, the point yet? I found it really strange a few months ago. It was somebody that I'd met. And again, we was just so open with each other. It was this US guy. And um, at the end of it, it just went, love you, brother. And I was yeah. like, uh, uh, how do I, uh, yeah, love you, brother. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't know. But he, again, he was like, when you get to that space, it's it's not a love like that. It's just a mutual respect that, yeah, you know what? I can have these conversations, whether hard, whether good, whether what. But, well, it's um, it's going deep, mate. It's going deep. <laughs> uh, that's what we do. That's what, that's what we do. Now, love's good. Love's a good thing. I think um, the love between two blokes is great. I think the... It is different to a um, uh, to an intimate partner, I would mm-hmm. say, but it doesn't mean um, blokes can't get uh, intimate in their chats oh, without. Uh, and that's that's like now we're I'm blurring I'm blurring lines here, but you know what you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm trying to say. No, um, you're going to get no, like, in a minute, mate. I'm playing me a love song, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, I yeah, I, I like saying I love you to my to my friends to my close friends. It's, I think it's important. I think it's very important. It is. Since, since you came out and, and spoke about your struggles and everything, and now you're so openly about it, um, have you found a lot more conversations being easily accessible with, with people that come into your life, the guys in your life? I know you're close circle probably, but have you found it easier just to strike up a conversation and ask if someone's okay? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, as I said, I've created the space. I've, I've made myself vulnerable or I've made myself... Um, the person who can talk about it. So like, yeah, let's talk about it. So yeah, def- definitely. It's made those conversations easier. Um, I did my mental health first aid last year um, in the lockdown. I think, which I encourage everyone to do. Like you, the booklet is great. Um, you, you, I learned, learned heaps of things. Like a lot of it's common sense um, for anyone who's empathetic, which is 99% of the population. Yeah. Um, but it's just good to sort of, I don't know, to be aware of mental mental illness as well and the different levels, the different scales. Um, I was having this chat with a mate the other day and people talk about um, mental illness like uh, or mental health or uh, mental wellness and they're all, they're also different. Like people can have depression, but then people can be clinically depressed and need like actually need drugs to get out of that or beta blockers or whatever it is. 
but some people might just be having a bad day and that's also i'm just gonna have a mental health day that's also similar but it's it's not the same thing it doesn't carry the same weight as the other thing so i think at the moment we're still putting it all in the same basket yeah. uh just because of awareness we're all just getting aware of the, the, the importance of it which is great um, but it's it's it is nuanced, and I, I I just I never want people to forget how nuanced it is and how different levels of um, um, uh, mental illness that, that that there are the different levels. Like there's um, psychosis, there's um, people with borderline personality disorder, all all those sorts of things. Like they can say that they're having a real bad day, but like uh, you probably maybe you're like that all the time, and you probably should see someone. I can't actually I actually can't help you if you're going to be in that position. Um, and that's that's another really good thing to know for people out there who want to help. Um, some people um, cannot be helped by by by, by you, um, and that's that's also okay to, to know. I'm not saying that you you back out of every hard situation, but yeah, you should definitely put your hand up and try and help. But when you know that you can't anymore, and I'm, I'm sure you've met several people, Glenn, over the last few years um, that that maybe fit that cat um, that that category as well. Yeah, and I think it's a very small. It's a very small part. I should I should also point out there's a very small percentage. Yeah, and I think that's like the human condition, isn't it? We're going to meet everyone from all walks of life. I'll tell you, going back to your mental health first aid, I learned something when I did mine in the first year, and I went there, and there was two guys, and they were openly speaking about that they'd they'd been inmates. Um, they went down the wrong path. One guy, he his his mum was well respected, but she was a single mum. And he got into their own crowd, started with drugs, selling drugs, and actually went and went inside. Now, he said, when people go inside, there's one of two groups. Is like either a lot of them end up who were addicted to going down that road, and the mm-hmm. other group tend to work out and train to get through the time. But the people who train tend to look at the people who are on drugs and everything to get through the time as weak. After he did that mental health course, he actually understood that those guys weren't weak. They were just suppressing emotions that had probably come through PTSD or trauma. And then he understood it better. So I think as much as humans, we judge whether good or bad, we just, what I'm trying to do from the podcast is we need to be more mindful because everybody is just, like you say, some people can't be helped, some can, but if we can be educated and understand that everyone has a different story and the more it's. Yeah, mate, hundred percent. There's a, there's a great video um, that my friend sent me uh, my friend Gemma Ricks, she's doing Frozen at the moment. She's currently playing Elsa, wherever the, the big Frozen, the main, the main. Anyway, this is not important. I'm just name dropping. Um, <laughs> she sent me a great video. It's on YouTube for all your people out there. It's called "The Best Explanation of Addiction I've Ever Heard" by Dr. Gabor. It says Dr. Gabor Mate, but it's Mate. Um, I don't know if you've seen this before. I'm just going to put it up to the screen, even though uh, it's fantastic. It's one of the best. It's 10 minutes. You've got 10 minutes. Um, have a listen. And it's all about what you just said about, about trauma, about everyone that has either gone to prison or that is doing it tough, um, and including all of ourselves as well, that we have some sort of trauma that we're just holding on to. We haven't addressed it or um, that it's perpetuated itself in um, with family, with friendships, um, uh, and that we just haven't really addressed it yet. We haven't really looked at what, what it is. It doesn't mean that you have to hold on to it and that's the trauma of my life and it's going to be so hard forever. You just, you need to just look at it, look at it. Okay. Just be aware, be, be aware of it. Yeah. 
I think COVID's obviously taught us to go inside. But so you've clearly gone on to carve a successful career and the accolades speak for themselves, Rob. How has that part of your journey through dealing with mental health early on shaped your journey and your career? Because the more successful you've become, the more known you've become. And not just here, you've, you've done theatre elsewhere as well. And that just brings this whole new level of exposure. How have you managed to carve out, carve out your journey, should I, speak, should I say? Um, and to be honest, I just say yes a lot. Um, I think as a creative, we just try and say yes. Or for people who are scared to do the thing that they're meant to be doing, they say yes to other people and they end up just <laughs> doing, doing things rather. That's, that a lot happens with creatives in, in this world. I think actors do, a lot, do it a lot, um, waiting for the next thing to come along. Someone else will give them a job, yada, yada. Um, I say yes a lot because I like to challenge myself in different ways, whether it's uh, stage or film or television. Um, I try and say yes to the things that scare me the most. Um, dive into the fear um, of the things that, yeah, if, if I'm doing things that are easy, I get bored and then I realise, oh, that's because I'm, it's, it's not the thing that you're meant to be doing, Rob. So <laughs> it's true though. Uh, yeah. I made hundred percent. We always get distracted and you know, there's something shiny um, <laughs> that's pointed towards us. We're like, oh, that looks pretty good. It's just, so, so just theatre, do you prefer so like you, your broad range, you do everything. So what, what is your favorite or do you just like the transition because you get bored so easy and you want to do it all? <laughs> I'm saying I get bored so easy. I just mean that. It's like, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think I like the soap because it's challenging. There's a longer form kind of um, character that you can build over, over time. Um, I really like the banter with the crew. Um, I really like um the, the challenge of learning something new every day and trying something different. Um, when you're in a musical, you're often um, doing the same thing. You walk to seven, do your line, turn, and you walk over to eight and then you sing, say your bit and then you sing a song and maybe do some, you do some Corey and whatnot. Um, sometimes that can be quite repetitive um, and a bit boring for some people, but I don't know. I always try and find, just remember that it's someone's first time every time in the audience. It's always someone's first time. And I would hate for them to look at, up at the audience, uh, up from the audience and go, he's not really into it. <laughs> like I've paid, paid my money and sort of phoning it in. So I, I, I never do that. I always like, as soon as I'm on stage, even if I'm having a bad day, um, give it a hundred percent. I do, but I do love them both. I think they're, they're both great. There's the immediate um, response that you get from being a stage show. I recently just was back on stage with Chess the Musical. We we got out of Victoria before uh, the lockdown. We went to Adelaide, to Perth, and then to Brisbane. And we did four shows with um, incredible orchestras from each uh, each city and a brand new choir every time we were in um, different cities, different students. And it was incredible to be on stage with Nat Bass, um, Alex, Alex Lewis, um, Mark Furs, Paulini. Like this, the cast was ridiculous. It was so incredible. Um, and I realized, oh, this is it. I'm, this is the thing I meant to do again. It had been so long. It had been, you know, over, well over a year since I'd been on the stage with, you know, with my fellow um, actors and singers um, and the orchestra. There was something really, something really beautiful. I whirled up many, many times backstage and then um, even, yeah, during the bows at times, like just like, oh, this is great. This is this is what we do. You know, we're, we're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be trapped in our apartments or houses. Uh, we, we are meant to go out and experience art together on mass as a community. 
Uh, we're meant to perform it as a community and also experience it all together. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really missed that energy. Yeah. I think, I don't know if you was there that time, but I, I think you was, it was obviously what, what you did with Luke and Michael and everyone with the swing show was like, yeah, that music. I, I came to see, oh, maybe a year and a half ago now when it was in Sydney at the back of the Ivy in a big auditorium and there were several people. Um, I don't, I think. You, I, don't think I, was, I don't think I was in that one. Yeah. I think I was back. I think I couldn't get there because um, I was doing Neighbours back in Melbourne. But you would have seen probably Ben and uh, Michael, Luke, and I imagine it would have been um, Matt Matt Lee as well. Ed, yes. Um, Ben's Ben's voice, every time I hear that guy sing, everyone can sing, but I'm just like, wait, Bublé. It's, it's like so deep. Oh, yeah. so, it's so rich. It's, it's, like, I'm like, it's like um Joe Cocker meets Michael Bublé. It's, imp- it's very impressive. Yeah. It, well, everyone's impressive. It's just amazing right i'm gonna ask you um big question what i ask everybody on here then well two big questions so according to or attesting should i say to mental health let's get this one out of the way i always say since you've opened your story and someone's come up to you has there been one pivotal moment where someone's made an impact on you um from hearing you open open up and, and share your story uh I think I, I get messages from, from people just saying, thanks for being real. Thanks for being authentic and thanks for just being, and I, think, I always think that's, that's a really lovely uh, message to, to get. You know, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like it's, that's a really nice compliment just to say, thanks for, thanks for being you, Rob, I think is a really lovely um, compliment. I don't get a lot of, yeah. I, think, I can't think of anything really specific. There's, from these interviews I've been doing recently, um, I interviewed Reverend Bill Cruz. He's a he's a he's a minister out at um, you know Western Sydney. If you get a chance to uh, to visit Bill at the Exodus Foundation, mm. uh, it's like a soup kitchen and a shelter. He's been running it for thirty or forty years. He's just got a he, he just released a book recently, um, and he always I always feel overwhelmed when he says that I'm a good person, and I just. I nearly cry. I'm, I'm like welling up now. Like having his blessing, there's something about Bill that he's just this, I mean, he's best friends with the Dalai Lama. Like he's just like, he's like, he's like, he's like the nicest, loveliest human. And he says, you're a good guy, Rob. I, I, I find that even, um, I was talking to a few people about this recently. I've sort of gone away from your question a bit, mate. Sorry, but I think it, it comes back to um, sometimes we feel bad about being, Oh, I don't know whether it's an Australian thing, but loving ourselves. Um, whenever my if I speak to my psych, he's like, "You're a good guy," and I was going, "Ah, oh, I don't like that." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, like you, you don't like certain things about yourself, but sometimes when you just have to own it. Um, and this is gonna this might come across as very wanky on your podcast. Um, even now, I'm protesting it, but do you know what I mean? Like, it, uh, I get where you're coming from. It's a, it's okay. It's okay to like yourself. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, um, saying I've got Rob Mills posters all over my house. I'm not that kind of, I'm not that kind of guy. You're not coming around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, no, there's no shrine. There's no shrine in my house. There's nothing like that. Um, but yeah, there, there is something being told that you're, um, that you're a good guy or that you're, um, good enough or that you, that you belong. 
I think that's, a, you know, that's the other thing as well. So yeah, nothing really specific when it comes to like um, people that I've met. I just thoroughly enjoy meeting people and, and making them feel comfortable enough to just tell me their story. Yeah. I think that's, I think you do that quite well, Glenn. Like you, as I said, create the space to, to allow people to be their best selves. I really like that as well. I like trying to create that space for people. So don't have to pretend. You don't have to come up to me and act all macho and stuff. Just just be you. If you want to have a chat, let's have a chat. If you don't, that's fine as well. Well, I think that's – now I just say to people when I meet them, I say, look, I'll, I'll be very honest with you. I've got this innate ability to make people cry in a good way. <laughs> they just open up. But what you said there about the reverend there, I think – once you get kind of a blessing or if we go into that spiritual part is when someone's spiritual into their faith tells you something like that, I got what you said automatically because the amount of times that someone said, you've got a good heart, you've got a pure heart. Like it's, it's not tainted. You don't look at people or judge or all this kind of, so I got, I got it. And the people that know, will know. That's why I always say you, you yeah. just speak freely on this podcast because the people who that will resonate with, it will. Yeah, and if if you don't get it, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're just not on that part of your journey yet. Okay. <laughs> you get there, guys. You'll, you'll be touched by the Dalai Lama. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to ask you then, since the last time we caught up and everything else, um, kind of attesting to the campaign, but what ultimately does being imperfectly perfect mean to you? Um, it means... I suppose owning your um, your inf- your imperfections uh, <laughs> at its core, um, having those chats with your psych, having those chats with your partner, and saying I don't like this about myself. We went for a walk this morning. Um, I said oh, I just just feel sad. I feel sad at the moment. She's like, why? I'm like, I just just sometimes I feel sad. You know, it's nothing that you've done, but I'll try and make it your fault because that's what we do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. It's hard. It's a hard one on social media to remain super authentic. Um, I think if anyone knows me, if I haven't posted anything for a long time, oh, looks like there's food arriving. That's a good sign. Thanks, Danny. My partner's ordered dinner. <laughs> great time. It's a great time. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's usually I just haven't. I can't be bothered, or I just a bit. Maybe I'm a bit sad, or don't feel the need to. All right, this is this is something. Okay, this is something I struggle with, and a lot of mate of mine struggles with this a bit. So, and I imagine you do as well. So the thing about perfectly perfect or trying to be authentic, my thing is you don't need social media. You shouldn't need it to to um, to pump up your tires. You shouldn't need it to. You shouldn't really be using it to even faff around. It's a waste of it's a waste of your time, right? Because you're constantly judging yourself against other people you've got a FOMO thing going through your mind you're um or or it's either sending you stuff that you that you don't need to buy like but the only way to sort of get your message out is <laughs> social media yeah. that's, a, that's what I'm, that's what everyone is looking at so I, I struggle with it a little bit like hey here's something really cool that I've done um that or, or here's a really cool message that you could be um doing for yourself but you shouldn't really be looking at it because you should be out there doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think that's where the, pod, the, pod, the podcast is quite good because people are not necessarily on their phone. They're sort of out walking or I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're out walking or having a jog right now, or maybe sitting on the couch, having a cup of tea. Uh, either or other is good. But yeah, I struggle with that a little bit, knowing that 
it is the only way to do it, but also um, it is also. It's, it's yeah. no way. Yeah. So you haven't come across the new application on the iPhone and that called Clubhouse? Uh, I don't know. This is what's Clubhouse. <laughs> so Clubhouse came about during COVID. It was from like Silicon Valley angel investors and all tech guys back in the day, but it came a bit more prominent when like Grant Cardone and the business guys got on it then expanded, grew to like billions of dollars for the investors. But basically it was an audio app, certain rooms in there, and then you can go in and listen to people talk and have conversations and meet people all around the world. So I at first loved it because yeah. I was networking and it was expanding this. But then I started noticing, like I'd wake up in the morning, I'd just look at it quick. I'd notice the same people in it during the morning as in the evening. And some people were doing rooms for like 24-7. And I was like... Oh, no. But then again, there was the clout chasing where people was going, I earn X amount, I've got this many businesses, I've got this. And like I was trying to break it down for people. And I was like, if you've got that much money, if you've got that, like you wouldn't be sat on an app for 24-7. Like there's that activity <laughs> as well. And I'm just like, <laughs> anyway, I know that your food's just come, mate. So I'm going to ask you, what, what <laughs> I know you're, well, you're not in lockdown anyway. It's only Sydney. So what what's coming up for you? And, um, yeah, what are your plans for the rest of the year with projects and you've just got off the back of one, so. Yeah, off the back of Chess, um, I'm putting together some some more interviews um, about uh, what it is to be an Aussie man, uh, so sort of writing a, a book at the moment. So that's been really interesting and really challenging. Uh, my mate just gave me a book about um, uh, resistance and procrastination. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just been really, I'm ready to go, yep, yeah, this is me. 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 Um, all about that. It is a little gem I can leave you. If anything is um, hard at the moment, it's generally, it's the, it's obviously the thing that you really want to do. If you're trying to stay away from it, it's probably the thing that you should be doing. So yeah, do that. Um, so I'll be doing a lot of um, not procrastinating, but doing a, a lot of, um, a lot of writing and working on a new one man, uh, a couple of one man show ideas as well. So yeah, lots lots going on at the moment, mate. Um, and a few auditions for um, TV, film, as usual. But you know, hopefully something will stick. If it doesn't, that's fine. I'll I'll, I'll do something else. I'll work something out. <laughs> uh, where can people find more information about you? Your website, your Instagram. Yeah, mate. You can find robmills.net.au, or you can go to my social media, which is. Oh, it's not very good, but it's it's okay. Look, it's got some real stuff on there. I probably do more stories, uh, which I find more amusing uh, and fun to do because they're just gone. They're gone in a day. Um, you know, you put something down, it's it's done. That's it. If you want to look at it, someone 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 goes, "Did you see that?" Well, I didn't. I missed it. Well, you missed it. Too late. It's gone. That's like in like a normal life. Like if you miss something, you just you weren't there, and that's okay. So that's. I, I think I enjoy the stories more. I think I think people need to remember memories sticking there, not on Instagram. <laughs> we can look at them. Yeah, yeah. Sticking there, don't they? Experiences. Well, mate, um, I know your food's hey, here, Matt. So I'm thanks, gonna, mate. Uh, hey, I'll, before before I go, I, I will say you just you said something great. Then experiences, experiences are everything. Um, if you are if you are feeling down, you are feeling sad. I can tell you, a good bushwalk is so good for the soul. Uh, if you can get out to see the see some trees, go see nature, go see some cliffs, um, go go to the water, get in the water when it's freezing cold. Like do something um, with some friends. Go organize a, a a trip that you never would have done before. Like, especially if you've got all this free time at the moment in your in your lockdown or um, or without we're just opening up. 
go and travel Australia, go and see as much as you can, go and do a, you know, a day trip to a country town that you've never done before. Give back to the, um, the communities that are, that are really, that have really done it tough over the last, um, last 12 months or so. But yeah, advent- adventures will, will definitely um, perk, perk you right back up. Yep, you cannot beat Australia as much as uh, everyone's had it tough. We live in a, an amazing country, mate. So I just want to say on behalf of me, on behalf of the campaign, thank you. And on behalf of all your mental health advocacy for all the foundations and everything you do, mate, I just want to say thank you. Um, I'm going to put all the links up so that you can find all the information about Rob, all his projects and what he's got coming up next. But guys, until next time, make sure you subscribe to the Imperfectly Perfect podcast and keep having those hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that save lives. Until next time, stay safe. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.